Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell on a hump day. Big show we got to get to. The Raptors tie up the series with Milwaukee. Aaron Rodgers aired out his grievances with Game of Thrones. Yeah. We'll break that down. We got hockey talk now that the uh, Stanley Cup final. Opeta? Yeah, our Opeta. Boy Blackburn's going to join us. And it's Wednesday, so you know what that means to finish off the show. Ooh. A little shoe showdown to yeah. finish it off with. So, big show. We're going to have a ton of fun today. But first, the Raptors, really impressive. 120 to 102, blowout win. Before we get to the game, there's something that bothered me. Yeah. And it's been bothering me over the course of the last few years. And it's one Drake who. Like his music, like I don't, I like his music, like he's got some good beats, like it's kind of, you know, fun, put on a party, it's good summer music. I have nothing against Drake. What I have a problem with is him getting the type of access that he gets where he's running up and down the court, he's going over to Nick Nurse, giving him a little, little back rub out there, going talking smack, doing whatever he wants essentially. Like they have the coach's box where if the coaches come out of the box, they're going to get a T or even possibly get tossed if they do it repeatedly. They need to put some type of box for Drake that he cannot cross a certain line because he goes whatever he wants. Yes. It's so annoying. Oh, how do I? Let's unpack this. I, too, have. <laughs> this has been an issue for me. I, I'm a Drake fan, too. What is it? OVO and all of yeah, that? Like, yeah. And you guys, we were talking off air, and you were like, you know, an NBA player needs to do something about this. Yeah, step to him. They will not. Why? They should not because they want to be boys with Drake. Like, I would want to be boys with Drake. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Like if, if, like Drake could be cool with me, I'd like to come to a show and kick it like with, with you guys, see what you're doing. Here's the deal. Um, there have been paying customers before on sidelines, like Jack Nichol- Nicholson or whatever yeah. his name is. The Lakers sidelines, you know, Spike, Spike Lee, Lee. At Knicks games. Yeah, they're notorious. Jimmy Buffett at yeah. game, who by the way has been tossed from games because he went too far criticizing the reps. Yeah, but, but I mean, the, the access that they have when they are able to purchase those seats, those guys are going to get away with more. You know, here's my problem with the Drake situation is I feel like he treats it like it's his concert. Like it's his personal playground. Oh yeah. This, this event that's taking place. And then you do kind of cross the line. I think Spike Lee, Jack, um, even Buffett, they, they know their role. They respect that the game is being played and that's what people are there to see. I really believe that Drake thinks that's his show and there's just something else going on on his show. He is right. There would be no reason for you to touch Nick Nurse. Dude, if I were Nick Nurse, I'd be like, my man. If you don't sit your ass down, we're going to have a problem in a minute. You need to go somewhere. Do not it touch me. It takes away from in his authority. I, like he's correct. supposed to be the head coach. You make he's me look there. like you make me look like clown. I'm coaching a a a summer camp for yes. for 11-year-olds. Um, he makes him look like a clown. If I was a player, here's what you do. I first of all, I would love for somebody to step to him like get in his face and even if you just talk to him but like nobody doing that. But Drake would love it too. That's what bothers me about that. Remember last year was the playoffs. It was against the Cavs, and there was a player was throwing in the ball. Was it Kendrick Perk? No, because no. Perk wouldn't have let down. JR, maybe. Might have been JR. Might have been Kevin Love. And he was, like, right, like, looking in his face, like, trying right. to mess with him as he had the inbounds pass. One of these players needs to do something. Or if he ever gets close enough where they can do it and make it look accidental, just give him, like, you know when they rip the ball and they yeah. give him one of those elbows? 
Just take him out. The dude will never come back. It's look, wearing his it, women's I, Jordans out there. It's all in good fun. Like I, but but I do think you cross a line when you start when you start rubbing Nick Nurse's shoulders in yes. the middle of the biggest game of, of maybe their franchise's history. At that point, you know you're you're deep in the playoffs. Like you, you have to know, even if the where, practice facility has his name on it because he donated for it or something. Yeah, bro, you got to know <laughs> your so role, too. man. You got to know your place. And I'm not saying you can't be out there having a good time because. Part of the beauty of Canada, and I love, I mean, not Canada, but Toronto specifically, yep. is like, the, you know, it's got, kind of got a vibe to it. That arena is like a party. Like, they're getting it in. Inside and north, out. Outside, right. So I'm okay with you kind of having a flow to yourself out there and being part of the show, but you, you got to know where to draw the line. You know I'm what? You. Put him up where the Heat put DJ Reed. Like, give him a little turntables. <laughs> let him have a microphone. Put him up in the, up, like, right in the, the mezzanine. Right there. And <laughs> there you, you can go. put a spotlight you on him. do whatever him. you want. Keep him off the court. Right. You know, that's all I'm asking. I hear all right. You, bro. Speaking of the game on the court. <laughs> Raptors. All right. So just I, I was wrong. No, but I, you I know was what? Wrong. I don't. I usually listen to. You. <laughs> <laughs> Last night I did not listen. I actually. So here's yeah. what I thought because I do. I always defer to you. You are the expert. You know what you're talking about. Not but really I try not. to fade the public, and there was a lot of money coming in on the Bucks, yeah. and the line was moving that way. And I Good love. I love the home underdog. Like yeah. I love a home dog. It's and like I think the Bucks are better. I think the Bucks are still going to win this series. But in that spot, getting three at home, I just mm-hmm. liked them for that one. They ain't got lucky. I mean, I'm sure there was some luck to it, too. But you got a pretty convincing win from Toronto, which was really impressive, uh, impressive when Kawhi only played 34 minutes. He only had 19 points. And typically throughout the playoffs, when the Raptors have been good, it's been Kawhi Leonard putting the team on his back. Instead, you got Kyle Lowry, who stepped up, and you got the good Kyle Lowry. Because sometimes you don't know what you're going to get with him. And you got a lot of participation from a lot of role players on the Raptors, which had them in this situation where they had a comfortable win. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't just Kyle Lowry. I mean, you got Norman Powell, who doubled down on his game um, three performance with 18. Um, Serge Ibaka showed up with 17 and really set a tone early with his offensive rebounding and attacking the basket uh, on the roll. Uh, Fred Millian Fleet uh. been non-existent. There you go. Dude, Kawhi put Giannis on a poster put on that one. Yeah, get out. Well, I don't, Giannis, look, man, if you're going to go over there, I've never understood this. Go foul the heck out of exactly. him. Exactly. Don't, don't go up there with two hands just to get in the poster. Uh, but you got a bunch of production from the bench, and that's kind of been the Raptors' Achilles heel this playoffs is that there's been so much workload for Kawhi, and he's been up to the challenge for the most part, but that's not really sustainable. Now you see he's like a little injured. He's kind of limping a bit. If he's going to have to be shooting the ball 25 to 30 times for them to win, that that's not going to be a recipe for success. This one is, though. Now the question becomes, you know, can the, 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 can the role players show up on the road? And in this series, while one of them may have shown up on the road, like George Hill played okay in, in Toronto, as a group, as a collective unit, you haven't gotten the, and gotten that support for your stars on the road as much as you have at home. And so if someone can do that, you might flip this series. Otherwise, Milwaukee's probably going to win it just because they have two more games at home versus the one for Toronto. Right. Now it's a best of three. Uh, they go back to Milwaukee. I think Kawhi's health is my biggest concern for the Raptors in this series because, you know, at that posterized dunk we saw him put on right. Giannis, he comes up limping. I don't know. It was interesting because I didn't know if he was cramping potentially because he was kind of walking with those stiff legs. But, I don't know, it didn't seem like that was the issue. There's some concern that maybe even that quad that was last year yeah. that had him out of uh, San Antonio, the one where he sat out, that might still be bothering. At any case, at this point of the season, everybody's got nicks. Everybody's got dings. Uh, Nick Nurse said he's certainly tired, like a lot of guys in this series are. He looks okay to me. There was one time I was trying to give him an extended rest, and he didn't really want it, so he must right. be okay. I love hearing that. 
Like, I love hearing that he realizes what's at stake. It's the playoffs. I don't care if I'm tired. I want to go out there and keep battling. Yeah, if you if you have anyone on your team that's saying anything other than that, right. they probably don't belong there. Not at this point. <laughs> right. At this point, you're playing. Like, you roll me out there, tape it up, do whatever you have to do. I, I do think there's some kind of lingering uh, injury. I think it's a little bit more than fatigue. I think, you know, Nick Nurse and their, their, their medical team's job is to be pretty coy about that and not let anyone know. But there's clearly something going on. He's pawing at his leg. Um in the in the in the space that he was in last night in terms of of production and output i think he's fine to continue to play he shot 13 times you know he still had 19 points he was a plus 16 and now he's got to do that job on giannis he's still playing him for the lion's share of the minutes defensively if you start asking him to have to shoot the ball i don't know 22 24 25 times that's double the amount of offensive responsibility um then then i start to worry about that injury because when he has to do that, that means probably the role guys aren't playing well. So he sees a need, and he's like, uh-oh, I, there's a void here scoring. I've got to put the team on my back. You know, when you've got to start carrying loads like that, you know, that's when those injuries come in. But if he can just get off the ball, share the ball, and those guys are going to support him with those efforts, I think he'll be all right. So I didn't realize. I don't know if you saw that little uh, graphic that we had up there. Missed 22 games this year due to load management. Never played in back-to-backs. And that was the plan for the Raptors all along, coming off that injury to try to rest him. So I absolutely think there's a fatigue issue. And it's one where you just kind of keep your fingers crossed. And sure. you kind of you got to try to dig deep uh, and try to figure out some way when they're going here, you know, one night off. They really could use two days off, which yeah. they're not going to get. But it just you can tell the fatigue is starting to set in. Do you agree – with Chris Middleton, who said, we've got to guard better. Everybody on their team, yes. like they got pretty much whatever they wanted. Everything was easy. Yes. It sure looked that way. They were the number one or number two. I'm unprepared on this. I think they were number one in, in defensive efficiency this year. So while, you know, their offense gets a lot of credit, they were number one. All right, good. They were, um, their offense gets a lot of credit because Giannis is fantastic and they've got all these three point shooters and they were number one in, in offensive efficiency too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the defense was the deal there. And, you know, I think this may speak a little bit. And Joey, Joey, one of the other producers in here and I were talking about it yesterday, um, about the inexperience of the Bucks versus the experience of Toronto. And I think those guys didn't come out and have the type of mentality and attitude that you have to have in that game, a uh, game four in Toronto where, where it's a critical thing. Cause if you can get it done, now you go back. And you can close them out. And so there's got to be a hyper focus, right? I mean, you have to really be able to compartmentalize your life, get rid of all noise. Like I'm talking about the only person I may talk to is my significant other. And it's going to be a really brief conversation about how am I doing, how the kids, everything good with you. And then I have to get back in this box and just be laser focused for the, the rest of the day all through shoot around and going into that night on the job at hand. And I don't know that they did that very well. And it reflected in their defensive effort. Totally agree with you. Do you think guys still have that mentality nowadays? It just seems like it's been lost. And I hear what you're saying, that sense of urgency, that yeah. like LeBron always has zero dark 30 when the playoffs start. And I feel like he gets there, but I just feel like that's a lost like mindset that we don't see out of younger players today. Like they have lives. They want to play video games. They might have girls and you know, like, yeah, no, they might, wanna, yeah, they might sure. have stuff they want to do where winning the, you know, winning the game isn't the ultimate priority. I'm sure there are some guys and clearly they didn't have that sense of urgency. And I'm wondering from a coach's standpoint, how do you get that 
across. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Warriors. I think Steve Kerr, that's his biggest battle because his team is so good. I don't think they have that laser focus all the time. Right. When, and that's actually why I think they're playing better without Kevin Durant because they've had to and they've got it back. And that's why they're, they are laser focused because they realize, hey, we're a little bit short, so we better pick it up. Uh, and I just, I don't know if many guys have that mindset anymore. Well, I, I think, you know, obviously today's player is different than when in, right. in our day. Even like five and ten years ago. For sure. And I think coaching is different too. So, you know, our coaches used to set that tone for us. So you knew, uh oh, Jerry's not messing around. Like we're, like Larry Brown is in his zone. We better be in his zone. When you have this like kind of loosey goosey atmosphere, and I'm not saying that, that Bud does, but most no, teams, but you know it's I mean. a little bit more relaxed now. So that's going to lend itself to, to people's focus being all, all over the place, right? You're not going to be as streamlined. Plus, I think that looks different from player to player. While I might be sitting there, you know, with my headphones on, you know, just kind of eyes closed, just in my zone, that, it, that's the way I get it done, yep. not necessarily the way you get it done. Do you know what I mean? So it's different strokes, you know, for different folks. But I do, I do think that, you know, you have to learn. Like this is a process. Getting to be a championship team isn't just bop overnight. Here we are. We're a champion. I mean, that'd be great. There, there are some cases like that, I'm sure. But some of, some of those teams, like the MJ teams had to evolve into that. They had to grow into that. So while you're Milwaukee, you might have thought you, you 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 did that. You you you're probably saying to yourself, man, I wasn't that bad last night. Like my defense was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Your coach is like, dude, it wasn't that good. And you'll even go to bed and be like, I'm, I'm, I think I gave pretty good effort. Like it was there. But then the next morning in the film session, it's up there on the board, and you're watching it in the screen, and it's embarrassing because you're like, holy holy cow, like that. I was giving up. That was a 75% effort at best, you know. And so you start to you start to learn uh, what 100% in the playoffs needs to look like for you, right? So now in your mind, you're like, okay, so what I thought was 100, that's not 100%. That's 75%. Right. So you could go out there the next night and get that to 100%. But it's a process, you know. So this is sure. a little bit of inexperience for Milwaukee. And the hardest part to do it is when you're up to one. Like now, oh, yeah, there's no nature. doubt in my mind. They come back home to two. They're like, uh oh, we got to dial it back in. Right. Uh, Bucks. Any doubt they're going to win the series? Best of two, uh, two out of three now. Uh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still picking the Bucks, but this has gotten way way more interesting, and not just because of the two wins, and clearly it's a two-two series, yeah. but because of that 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 um. Experience factor. There, this is all uncharted waters for everyone on the Bucks team. Yep. You name me a guy on that Bucks team that's been in a George Hill, maybe. I don't. I mean, Nikola Mirotic hasn't really been in any. Um, Brooke Lopez has been on a few teams, but I don't know he's been in any deep playoff runs. Paul Gasol's got championships, but I mean, he's sitting over there looking like a granddad. Like he's not in the mix. All of the experience, side aside from the coach, is on Toronto side. All of those guys have been in those battles, so it gets interesting now. All right, uh, the uh, so that's that series picks up again tomorrow night. Uh, one of the biggest things we're all going to be watching as NBA fans is the Anthony Davis watch. Yeah. Where does he go? Does he get moved from New Orleans? So David Griffin, your guy, yeah, you guys work together in Cleveland Rip. in the front office. Good yeah. dude by all accounts. I'm sure he's very impressive. Yeah, I've only interviewed him a couple times already. He was always nice. Griffin's always gave dude. you a shout out. Oh yeah, Poppy. All right, so he's a great dude. Right. He's going to sit down. He told the uh, the New York Post, yeah, we're going to visit together, talking about Anthony Davis. We'll probably sit together in L.A. at some point around the draft workouts that take place there. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely visit. That's the next step. He's going to attempt to keep him in New Orleans. I don't think it matters what a, what a great dude David Griffin is. I don't think it matters what pitch he gives him. I think Anthony Davis is already checked out. So you I think there's any chance he can keep him there. I agree. I don't, I don't think Griff being a good dude is going to sway him. Uh, I don't think that Griff's pitch – is going to sway Anthony Davis. And I do think that Anthony Davis, in his mind, is already out. What I think could sway Anthony Davis uh, is if this doesn't happen immediately, right? If there's not a deal to be done, like, right now. Um, and Griff has made this pitch to you, um, and you think he's a good dude, but that's not enough, right? 
and he articulates this path to where you're trying to go or with a vision of where he wants to be and the path with which he's going to take to get there. And you're there as Anthony Davis and you start to see some of the things come to fruition and they start to unfold, right? And you're like, okay, well, not only is he a good dude and he made a strong pitch, but he's backing that up. Like he's doing what he said he's going to do, right? Like you've been in that organization. The culture there was probably pretty poopy, right? From all accounts, like I've, right. I've had people that worked in the organization. Like there, there wasn't a strong culture built. You start to see a little a shift in the culture, right? You start to see people putting in more hours at the desk. You start to see people, you know, more dialed in on the court. You start to see some player development taking place that you didn't necessarily see before. All this stuff starts to unfold for you if you're Anthony Davis, at which point I think you can have another conversation, you know, with, with your team if you're Anthony Davis and say, hey, look, may, maybe, just maybe, you know, this will be a, 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 a changed uh, franchise. And, you know, Drew Holiday is a really, really good guard. He's a really, really good guard, a, a special type of talent. And if you could entice someone else to come there, you're going to have Zion. If you can get another player, maybe. But I agree with you on the surface right now, not a whole lot Griff can do. Griff's plan has to be executed, and Anthony Davis has to bear witness to that for him to have any type of change of, of heart. To your point, Griff said, this is something we hope creates an energy that recruits itself, and Anthony would just be one step in that process. So he's trying to get a feel, an organizational culture yeah. of winning of a different atmosphere than they've had in years past when i was that's really hard to do though it is really and hard it takes to do. a lot of time off. It, it, it does but so griff took the job over from chris grant in in cleveland and i was not with griff when he inherited the job but griff immediately kind of started calling me trying to test you know the, the way i felt about coming back and working and all he talked about was the culture that existed people so i he i was in a consulting role right he called me up um, I went up to Cleveland. Mike Brown was the coach at the time. So I went in, I watched, and we forget that Kyrie was kind of off the reservation in Cleveland too. Not a, not a lot, not unlike Anthony Davis, except he hadn't demanded a trade, but he was kind of off. Like he didn't want anything to do. So Griff was like, come in, like just, I want you to be around the building. I want you to get the feel of what's happening here. And then I want, I want your take on it. I want your, your genuine reaction to it. So I sat in their practice. I was around their facility for a day. Griff and I went to lunch. I said, this is a mess. You know, not, I was like, right. the energy in your building is a mess right now. Those guys don't want to be in practice. They're not paying any attention to what Mike Brown says. They were trying to make a determination on Mike Brown. I said, Mike's a good dude. He knows his stuff, but he's got to go. I was like, it's just not working. Your, your culture is not good right now. And so Griff went about changing that culture, like systematically. And he, and he executed his plan. And I'll tell you, I took a job there in the fall by the next training camp. By December, January, we had a new culture in the building. Now, LeBron had a lot to do with that because he brings his own. But Griff was able to turn that thing around, turn it into a family, have guys invested in each other. And it spoke to a lot of people that were on that team that, that hadn't really seen that before. Uh, in December, Anthony Davis told Yahoo Sports, I'd take legacy over money. I want to have a legacy. All my people that look up to me, the younger kids, I want them to know about 80s legacy, championships, the things I do in the community, being a good teammate, playing hard. If you're Griff, do you pitch that to him? Say, hey, you know what your biggest legacy would be? Not if you run somewhere else and try to join another superstar, but you try to stay in one place for your entire career, make this organization great from where it was to how yeah. bad it's been to building it up and staying in one community. Like, is that part of your pitch? Or does this seem like, because this was in December. It does seem like AD is checked out. He's going to go run for the championships. But I think yeah. like, that's all anybody talks about anymore. Like he's saying the right things, like I want to, you know, I want to do the community work and being a good teammate, playing hard. The only, th but to to the players' defense, like when we talk about LeBron, we talk about Kobe, we always look at the rings. So yes. like you can't have it both ways. 
Uh, look, here, uh, I'm probably not going to answer your question, but there's something that really bothered me about that. And I hate when, when people say it. Like, uh, I, it's about the legacy, not the money. It, it, it is not. <laughs> it's not. Right. So, all right. I, I, I did this off air with you. I'll give you a legacy. I'll guarantee you go down as the greatest basketball player to ever grace the earth. The catch is you got to play for the minimum for your whole career. <laughs> is it that? Is it worth that to you? Right. It's not. Like, people who tell you it's about the legacy, you already cashed $100 million. Now it's about my legacy because the cash don't matter no more, right? Right. But you tell your regular person legacy or cash, don't, like, that bothers me. I don't know why, but it bothers me. And and to the question about Grif- Griff's pitch, I'm sure there will be some talk about that. But in today's NBA landscape, it don't, it, that doesn't mean as much to guys anymore. That's staying in one place and, and getting it done. You know, they're, they're transient to some degree. They just keep it moving. You know, they're, they're almost mercenaries. You know, it's not a year to year thing all the time. Sometimes it's three year chunks where they'll go somewhere. They'll give you their services. They'll rack up as many titles as they can rack up and then bop, I'm out. I'm going to the next place. And that, that is a relatively new thing, you know, with this, with this next generation of players. So I don't know how much that would even speak to AD. Right, uh, no doubt about. It. We'll we'll be all over it, watching it throughout. And we'll get to, hopefully. Don't tell me about soon, no but... damn legacy, though. No, and exactly. It ain't no it's bread. about the money. Let's be honest. We're gonna take the most money, and you're gonna go there and hopefully right. win. NTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal, and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars Four is finally here, and this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Are you satisfied with the ending? No. <laughs> I love the show, and I and it was a great ten years. But uh, but no, you come down to the end, and Tyrion says the person with the best story is Bran. <laughs> Who, by the way, three episodes ago said he wasn't Bran Stark anymore. No, John had a better story. Danny had a better story. Arya had a better story. Sansa had a better story. Tyrion had a better story. Varys had a better story. Bran. A lot better stories. Jamie, better stories. Xerxes, probably better stories. I think Danny should have been on the throne. Here's the thing, though. Here's my th- here's my last theory about it. if Bran, the three-eyed raven, who who's you know all about the health of the realm. Let's think about what he did. He the entire time kind of set this whole thing up, and at the end he goes, "Oh yeah, I don't I don't want to be king. Oh, but why did I travel all this way to be here?" No, you know the writers are also doing Star Wars, so I think they might have been a little busy this last season. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was it. Aaron Rodgers offering his opinion on Game of Thrones. We did a few minutes on Game of Thrones finale yesterday. Most pod, anybody has been talking about Game of Thrones. The thing that makes this unique is he was actually on an episode. He was in episode five. Right. 
where he was featured. It wasn't, I shouldn't say featured. He was like in the background. You kind of make him out. I guess there was some controversy. A little extra role. That ran around and got blown up. He said he doesn't run that unathletic. He's more athletic. It wouldn't have been him. Um, do you think this is the controversy? Mm-hmm. He's kind of been on the show. They did him a favor. Should he be ripping the ending if they let him be on the show? Or uh. should he have been a team player and just been like, Hey, uh, you know, it is what it is. They can do whatever they want. Or should he have spoken no, his bro. mind? He should have spoken his mind. Anyone who is a true Game of Thrones fan is as invested in the show as I have been for the last better part of a decade. You have a right to voice your displeasure with what transpired the other night. It's fine. <laughs> now, right. you know, like that doesn't, I've, I've come around and thought like it doesn't really take away from, from the seven prior seasons that I, that I loved, but it was a train wreck coming down the stretch. Like I ain't got no problem with Aaron Rodgers ripping them. No doubt. And it's because the series is over. No more guest appearances. So he's yeah, yeah, like, so well, he he fine. Um, all right. So that's Aaron Rodgers there. Um, oh, could there be a prequel? What? Debo just got in my ear. They are Bird? for sure. I didn't know that. I thought that would be good movie. I thought that would be good movie stuff, a prequel um, movie, I thought, if they wanted to do that. No but I'd, I'd be down. I did see there was a John Wick 4 coming out already. They already just did, announced You didn't that. see 3? Oh, you, we, we saw were there together. Come on. Oh, obviously, we had a great time there. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, yeah, John Wick 4 is until 2021, and I think Debo said the prequel is not coming out until 2021 right. either. So we right. got a couple years to wait for those. Did you see uh, John Wick? <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was outstanding. Um, all right. So Carson Wentz has been uh, maligned by injuries throughout his career, right? Whether it was at North Dakota State, whether it's been for the Eagles. He's been incredible when he's yeah. been healthy. Um, but I think Eagles fans are watching him really with a close eye, and they should because you don't have the savior and Nick Foles anymore mm-hmm. on the bench. He's moved on to the Jacksonville mm-hmm. Jaguars. And one thing that caught people's eye was that he was out there without a knee brace on his left knee. Um, I thought this was interesting. I hated wearing knee braces. Sure. I don't know how you felt. Like I'm, You don't really see NBA players wearing them. But a lot of quarterbacks will wear the big, bulky braces on both knees because you do have a lot of guys around. Sometimes they fall on you just right. a little bit. You know, can help you if you have that stability. He obviously doesn't like them. If I was him and had the, as much at stake, and if I'm the Eagles, I would almost mandate that he would have to wear it. Really? I would. They're not that. They look intrusive, and they look like they would be limiting with the technology have they weigh like seven ounces and you don't really notice they're there yeah i mean if you're talking about purely for the 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 possibility that someone rolls into his knees i'll co-sign on that but in terms of worrying about whether he's out in open space and tears it again like i I don't know that i'm so worried about that like now i'm clearly not a a, a doctor or anything but uh you know, tape. Remember, you tape ankles. Yes, and I hated taping ankles. I, I never taped ankles. I didn't but, either. You know what? What I come to understand, uh, you know, in hindsight, is like, the taping the ankles actually it it hurts your it, ankles like like weakens it them. weakens them right because they rely on the tape right. So you know, you, you go untaped and you have to develop the strength and, the, and those tendons and ligaments on your own to kind of protect the joint. And so I'm okay with him doing that with the knee. Purely like in space, you know, but if you're telling me quarterbacks have an, an inherent risk of people rolling on those knees and stuff like that and you want to protect your franchise guy, I'll co-sign. Did you, do NBA teams, would they ever require you to? Oh, yeah, it was a requirement. Yeah, and same thing with me. Nah, I dog. didn't do it either. But really, it started at Florida State, it was a requirement. Yeah. And it started the same way. Uh, they usually had the freshmen had to go at like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. 
And so I was like, I don't need my ankles taped. So I don't right. need them that bad. <laughs> and then you got to get in tight with the trainer. So I'd be like, hey, man, just say you did it. Like, right. I don't, we don't need to do this. But at the time, remember the ankle socks were like the in socks? Yeah, so they so could see. So it was see. harder to cover it up. But I just started wearing high socks. So I had high socks in while they weren't in. There you go. You went, you went mid-cast because you and were hiding. And then the NFL was the same thing. And they were, they were a little bit more serious. The trainers were like, come on, man. I'm like, look. And I gave them that philosophy. And they were like, all right. If you sprain an ankle, we're going to be in trouble. I was like, all right, well, I'll deal with that then. And I was like, if I'm going to roll my ankle, the tape's not going to do that much anyway. Right. Um, yeah. Knock on wood, I never had to deal with an ankle injury, thankfully. But I hated tape your ankles because you had to get there so early to do it. Sure. You have to have a good relationship with your trainer. Oh, yeah. I, I did, had, too. Well, my dad was a team doctor for the oh, Dolphins. Oh, so you so were good. I always had like yeah. that in when I got in there. Right. And if you're like a good dude and you're not – like if it wasn't because I was a knucklehead and I was always late. Right. I just didn't want them. So they would see me. I would be there in time to get my ankles. I just was like, I don't want them. You know, I just, I don't like it. What I did was if I ever rolled an ankle, I just wouldn't miss any time, right? Like right. I had your back because I know I'm not taped. So like if, if I roll this, I can't cost the team any time. I got to get my butt back out there and play, even if it's sore, just because I don't, you know, the trainer can't be thrown under the bus either. Absolutely. Uh Carson Wentz has said he's feeling better. Mm-hmm. He said he's gotten stronger, changed his diet, and improved his sleep to get I, healthier. For I didn't. Long I didn't do any of that great when I played. I got to be honest. With you. I, a little reflection on 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 my career. Like as you get a little older and you can, you're, you know, you can you can really see it for what it was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't use the weight room like I should have. Um, I didn't. I didn't eat the way I should have eaten. Uh, and I certainly didn't use like our training staff in Phoenix, which was you know way out in in front of all of the stuff that they're doing now with the NASM and all the like all the stuff that they're doing. I didn't use that as a resource as much as I should have either. Now, I, I didn't experience a whole lot of injuries when I was there, but towards the tail end of my career, I don't know, it could have cost me, you know, I started having groin issues and stuff like that. It could have cost me a couple of years. I don't know, but I definitely wasn't as good in those regards as I should have been. I wasn't either. I was extremely guilty of kind of doing what had got me there, which was enough. Like I wouldn't miss lift, but I would really go fast to it. I would right. do lighter weights and maybe I'd skip the last two exercises. Yeah, yeah right, right. Get out of there uh, faster. Uh, the eating thing, the nutrition, they had just kind of started to have nutritionists and they'd have the signs up on the board. This is what you should eat. This is what you shouldn't, but I ate what I was going to like. I never had a weight problem, right? but I wasn't like, but to be fair, the Broncos on Fridays would have Popeye's fried chicken and whole pizzas as your like lunch after there. So they weren't exactly on top of it either. Correct. Um, but I, I always wonder too, like if I had like you, it is your body is your company. It is yeah. your you know, it's it's your vehicle to make all this money to have this lifestyle. Yep. Why wouldn't you give it the very best and try to maximize it? The sleep thing, I never did that. When you were with Steve Nash, was that at that time? Because I know later in his career, he was all over that type of stuff. Was he? No, Steve was dialed. The sleep Steve was and the nutrition. Steve was dialed in. Yeah, Steve. Like I, we, we, I mean, I, I got my sleep. I wasn't an. It wasn't an issue. Sometimes I did, but um, <laughs> right. we. Uh, Steve was really good about what he put in his body. Like he was ahead of. You know, the, the curve with that type of stuff. And he always had to be meticulous about his, 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 um, his workout mm-hmm. because of the back issues that he had. And so he was always really dialed in to those movements and protecting his core and doing stuff like that. I, I was a monster in the off season. Like I did. I trained as hard as anybody in the off season. I did not do great in season. 
Like that was my downfall. Maintaining like, in, is the worst. Maintaining was a problem for me. Like in the midst of you know the three and five or the four and seven, the 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 thought of having to go in there and get an hour lift on my legs like was like not appealing to me, and I blew those off the lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I never like you talk about going through lifts fast. Right. Like it was one thing in the off season. Yeah. I was similar. I would get after it pretty good. I wasn't cutting that much, but during the season. Yeah. I'd go in and maybe do like one set of bench and then one little curls. I'm like, see ya. But like you're sore and then like you're I know, I know. tired, you're beat up and you just want to go like get a massage. No, I, and I, people, I my people would be trying to help me. Like I remember right. strength and conditioning dudes like, come on, man, we got to get this done. And I'd be like, sorry, bro. <laughs> all right. I'm bouncing. Uh, all right. Good, uh, story time right there from our days, uh, skipping out on, uh, uh, lift days, uh, leg days too. All right, welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. It's time for some hockey talk. It's our yeah. favorite segment of the week. We got our guy Pete Blackburn. He's going to join us because he knows what he's talking about. Peter. Don't. Uh, he's been helping us out throughout the uh, NHL playoffs. They've been going on. St. Louis versus Boston. We have the Stanley Cup final set. I do have a question about St. Louis. So they play Gloria after their, their big wins, right? Is there right. any song that's more appropriate for the city that they play in than Gloria being played in St. Louis. Like, it just seems like St. Louis. Yeah, it certainly seems like St. Louis more than uh, Country Roads when they play that uh, during the third <laughs> periods. It doesn't make any sense for uh, the St. Louis crowd to sing West Virginia. So uh, at least they got one song that is appropriate for them. <laughs> um, like, so the Bruins, this isn't like, this isn't foreign for the Bruins to be in, in the cup, but for the Blues and uh, in the way they started this year being in last place for a while, like how remarkable has their run been to the Stanley Cup? It's insane. I mean, they started this calendar year in dead last place. So that kind of tells you how good they were during the second half of the year and, and sort of uh, how they were able to turn things around. And then, you know, obviously this strong playoff run. It's it's something that not a lot of people saw coming. Uh, you know, I thought they were going to be a, a good team heading into this year. I didn't know if I necessarily thought they'd be uh, a Stanley Cup contender, but they've been uh, they've been unbelievable since making a coaching change. Over the last 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of articles written about, you know, best sports towns. Boston has had an incredible run when you consider the Patriots, the Red Sox, uh, the Bruins, Celtics, kind of hoping to come around eventually. They've been getting at least to the playoffs. Does the city ever get bored? Like, do they, uh, will these games be as nuts as they are for the Red Sox and for the Patriots? I mean, is there any drop off or is this just, hey, this is what we do in Boston? Oh, there's no drop-off. Come on. Absolutely <laughs> not. No chance. And I think, you know, if you look at it, the, the Bruins haven't been to the final since 2013. They lost that year to, to the Chicago Blackhawks. So I think the Bruins fan base is sort of segmented in Boston where there are a lot of diehard Bruins fans who, who don't necessarily uh, aren't diehards of, of the other sports and things like that. So I think there are a lot of Bruins fans that are hungry to be back here. And you'll see them really, really get up for these finals. And, uh, you know, when you talk about the history of the Boston sports, there's beating a St. Louis team has basically become a long story tradition for uh, for Boston sports. You got the, the Cardinals, the Rams, uh, you know, so the, the, we could add the Blues to that list here uh, this year. What's the confidence level around the town that they're going to beat the Blues? Honestly, I can't tell you what, what around town the confidence level is, but it makes me nervous how not nervous I am heading into this Stanley Cup final. Uh, the Blues have a really good team. They're a tough team, but I have the utmost confidence in this Bruins team that they're going to be able to get it done. I, you know, they were one of the best teams in the NHL all year long. And, you know, I just really think that they're the best team left remaining in the playoffs. I, I said that 
basically as soon as the Tampa Bay Lightning were knocked out, that this was the Bruins Stanley Cup final to lose. They're here now. They're coming off a four-game sweep of the Carolina Hurricanes. They looked great in pretty much every asset of their game. And so I've got a lot of confidence at this point in time. Um, you're going to have a similar situation to what the NBA and Golden State will face, where the puck doesn't drop till Monday. That'll be about 10 days off for the Bruins. Where are you at with the rust versus rest uh, debate? Yeah, if there's anything that, that worries me, it, it's that Tuka Rask is not going to be playing for 11 days. When you've got a hot goaltender, and Tuka Rask is as hot as I've ever seen him, uh, You know, clearly the best goaltender in these playoffs has been dominant. For him to sit for 11 straight days, that doesn't usually uh, work out well for for goalies who are on a hot streak. You know, they want to keep playing. But, uh, you know, again, you know, I think that it's good that the Blues won in six games rather than going to seven because they're going to have a pretty significant rest here, too. Um, But, yeah, the 11 days sort of worries me a little bit. This public inter-squad scrimmage is going to be held Thursday night. What type of attendance will that be? Is that place going to be jam-packed? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, obviously the and what about, facility is... What about, too, what about the intensity level of that? Like, will they try to get them to ramp it up so that they can kind of simulate? I mean, it's not going to be playoff hockey, obviously, but will they be, like, will it be a full-go scrimmage where they're out there, like, going pretty pretty good? Or is it a pep rally? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think they're going to be going pretty good. They The reason that they hold these things is so that, you know, you can get your legs back under you and sort of... You know, not lose the feel of what an actual game feels like. And, and, you know, I don't think you're going to see guys diving in front of shots and things like that or, or really mixing it up along the boards. But, you know, I think they're going to be going pretty close to full speed. And, uh, you know, as, as for the attendance, I think it'll probably, there'll probably be a good amount of people there. They've, they've had, uh, big crowds there before. It's obviously not a massive, uh, you know, capacity, but, you know, there there will definitely be fans going out there trying to see what what they've got going this week. So it sounds like you're not worried. You're picking Boston to win the series, but the outlook on the series. Do you think this will be a quick one? You think it'll it'll be a hard fought seven games? Like where are you at with that? You know, I could definitely see this going six or seven games. Both these teams are tough, and and it could be a real grinded out series. They play a a heavy sort of game uh, where you know they like to hit and things like that. Uh, I think it's going to be really entertaining for for casual fans and and for for the fans that are in it. Maybe not uh maybe not, you know, I think that for for me it's going to make me a little bit nervous where, you know, these are high pressure times. Uh but I think it's going to be a really entertaining series. We've seen the NBA struggle a little bit with ratings, you know, with LeBron out of the playoffs, the Warriors have been so dominant. Their numbers have been down a little bit. How do you think this will set up viewership wise when you got kind of a blue blood uh franchise with the Bruins against a team that hasn't been there in forever in the Blues. Is this going to be something that's really compelling for hockey fans? I honestly thought that the Bruins Sharks probably would have been a better draw uh just in terms of, you know, the star power. I think the Sharks have a little bit more um in that department, but you also look at how banged up they were at the end of that series. Um so they might not have had the star power that that you know their roster shows, but I, I still think that the Bruins Blues is going to be a pretty decent draw. You know, they've got a little bit of history. The last time that they met uh, in the Stanley Cup final was the the famous Bobby Orr goal, where you know he was diving through the air. And, and obviously, these are two two solid sports fan bases and, and you know pretty decent markets. So I think there are certainly uh, worse draws that, that the NHL could have had, but this isn't the ideal one. Awesome, man. Well, enjoy the series. Good luck to the Bruins and uh, have some fun out there. All right. Thank you very much. I will. All right, good stuff as always from Pete.